0: Get ready. It's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman.
1: Oh, the antics have started and we're barely, not even totally on the air yet. That's always a sign of Good things to come, and we have a lot of them over the course of two hours. So, without further ado, welcome to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. My name is Jacob Sealman. I'm the managing editor at RaceChaserOnline.com, where we give you your motorsports your way. I am joined at the round table for the first time in studio by new JGL Racing driver for 2018 in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Kaz Gralla. That title sounds really good on you. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll let you introduce yourself to the people that might not know you in a second, but I will start by saying it is really
2: good to have your face in our studio for the first time. Well, thank you. (laughs) It's not the first time you've tried, but it seems (laughs) like between Massachusetts and high school, we could never quite sync up. So now this season, I'm down here permanently. Permanently. (laughs) Permanently. So. We uh, like the permanent part. I do, too. Yeah. I like it a lot. It's way yeah. warmer than Massachusetts. Oh, it sure well, is. <laughs>
3: Most of the time.
2: Yeah, especially this time of year. So I'm not, I'm not
1: complaining a bit. <laughs> <laughs> the peanut gallery to my left is Tom Baker, our uh, editor-in-chief
3: and partner in crime and all that good stuff. I'll deal with the peanut nickname as long as it's a cashew. If I can be a cashew, I'm okay.
2: <laughs> I've been called cashew before. <laughs> kind of rhymes with my name a little bit.
3: Kind of, sort
2: of, okay. Kaz, (laughs) Kaz. Anyway, Miracles of
1: Modern Technology (laughs) equals Cisco Scaramuza via the Race Chaser Skype line. And I know Cisco will have plenty to chime in as well. well. We'll just jump right in and get started with Kaz. Why not? Because you have a lot of great things going for you. Obviously, last year, a solid season for your year in the truck series, made the playoffs. And now... After a win last year and a playoff appearance, you jump up to the next level with a team that is uh, hooking up with Ford for 2018, which I know is also very exciting. So there's a lot of new for you. New manufacturer, new series, new team. How how are you adapting to all this?
2: Well, I mean, there's a lot of new. There's a lot of new just... for me but there's a lot of new for the team too so they've been thrashing the last month or so because uh, almost every single guy on my team on my roster at least on the 24 is new to the team as well as they're changing all the bodies all the motor mounts all the plumbing manufacturer change simulation change so it's going to be a brand new team it's pretty much an overhaul so I wouldn't be surprised if it took us a couple of races to kind of get rolling, but I think long-term that this was the right move for the team, and once we get all caught up and, and settled, I think it's going to be really good. But but right now, my crew chief and I, Shane Wilson, we've been digging trying to eliminate some of this new and, and trying to acclimate um, and – and get comfortable here, but I, I have a feeling it'll take us a few races to to really get in sync. Well, there's a guy who
1: is not, by any definition, new. Shane Wilson has been around this game for a long time. Are you saying he's old? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not saying he's old. I'm just saying he's got a lot
2: of experience. Yeah, he's old compared he's, to there. Nice, sure. He's experienced. <laughs> anyway. You guys that's are good. going to Ford, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah. You guys are going to Ford, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Now, Ford with a Roush Alliance.
3: When you when you say you're changing simulation, that's probably new to our audience. Can you explain without giving away any secrets? Can you explain kind of what that means?
2: Well, simulation uh I guess to put it simply would be the cost that has been added now that NASCAR does not allow testing. So, we're saving, you know, little bits of money by not testing and spending heaps and wads of money on engineering. (laughs) So that is what Ford and Chevrolet and Toyota have, have done over the past few years. So basically the engineer can just sit there and, Start making changes to the car, but instead of it being a real car, it's a little car on the computer, and it tells you what happens and uh, how that's going to affect the car. So fun fact, JGL has actually never had simulation in the past. They have been racing and operating as if they were a late model team um, from an engineering perspective. So this will be their first year with true engineers that have uh, this simulation technology. So that should be an immediate... Uh, burst of, of of health into the team for them because uh, pretty much every other team in Xfinity, even in trucks, too, has simulation. So this mm-hmm. should take them from being serious underdogs to uh, being on, on plane with some of the other teams right off the bat.
1: I want to bring Cisco in on this because a lot of people that regularly listen to us, when they hear the word simulation, they think of iRacing, because we discussed that a little bit. But Cisco, I think you and I both know that the simulation that Kaz is discussing is
4: way more on a bigger level than what we're used to. Absolutely. And a lot of these simulations come, of course, with the help of the manufacturer. I talked to one of the engineers uh, on the 88 truck several times, and they have a simulation that you they use to basically come up with base setups and give them sort of a rough idea of what they're going to be taking to the track that particular weekend. So for JGL to pick that up and Kaz for you guys to pick that up, that's got to be huge.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a big deal for us. and, And I know everyone over at the team is excited about it. So um, like I said, everything's new. I'm sure it'll take a few races for the engineer and the crew chief and the team to get used to this simulation because my crew chief is coming from Chevrolet. Mm-hmm. Uh, my engineer is coming from Toyota. <laughs> and so this is going to be brand-new Ford simulation to them as well as every world. Exactly, So, which is good. Long run, we're going to have all that information to, to be able to come up with, really good ideas because we have a diverse background. But short term, everyone's kind of having some growing pains, I guess you could say, trying to figure out, um, you know, I need this bolt where do I get that in the shop I have no idea I don't know who to ask (laughs) Uh, what's the password to my JGL email address (laughs) so they're they're working on the little stuff now and and hopefully soon uh, er everything will be really rolling like a well-oiled machine
1: so what I started to get to uh, when we were talking about Shane Wilson a minute ago I mentioned that he is very experienced in this game Uh, how big is that going to be not just from the team standpoint but for you you kind of we're in a similar situation last year when you jumped up to the truck where you had a veteran crew chief now you go in you have another veteran crew
2: chief for your first year uh back in a in a real stock car in a little bit yeah exactly i, I think shane's going to be really helpful to me, in, in that sense, he'll be able to give me advice that he's given previous drivers or maybe give me advice that he's been given by previous drivers, just pro like tip. last year with Jerry. Yeah, pro, um, pro tip, if
1: he gives you any advice about Brendan gone, do the opposite. That's what <laughs> I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's mentioned that
2: as well. Um no, I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, Brendan's going to be helping me a little bit this year oh, too. Oh, that's be great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but Shane's got a lot of friends and a lot of connections, and so we've we've got a good lineup of of phone your friend help <laughs> for this year, which which comes with years in the sport. So We're playing so who so wants to be a millionaire now. <laughs> <laughs> so that part is really good, and and he's obviously sat on the box for many many races. So um, I trust that his strategy calls will be uh, very very uh good this year and and I I think that will absolutely be the case so it's always reassuring in the seat to know that the crew chief's going to make the right calls and then the crew chief just has to trust that this little 19 year old driver he's never actually worked with before is somehow going to get it done behind the wheel so that's my job the first few (laughs) races is to prove that to him are you excited I mean uh,
1: uh, uh, the obvious is yes there but to get back into a stock car (laughs) As opposed to the truck, and get back to the arrow that you had for a couple years before you jumped into the truck. Is that kind of a a comforting feeling in a way?
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest reason I'm excited for this year. Because well, there's two reasons. Um, Number one, racing a car is—I don't want to say easier because it's not. It's actually harder for the driver. But it's it's reassuring to me to know that I have more. Uh, ability to affect the outcome of my race with the pedals and with the wheel because of the arrow on a car versus mm-hmm. a truck. So we have less downforce in a car, um, which means we also have less drag, and so the the arrow disturbance. Car-to-car is gonna be much smaller than a truck. So it's gonna be more back to late model style racing where you can just set up a pass Like you would classically do so um, and race like like we've all been doing for years So that's exciting to me. It may be harder to do as a driver But that's what I've grown up doing. So I'm ready for that. The second thing I'm excited for is the trucks with that arrow make them a lot more difficult to race, uh, a lot more unnatural to race, I should say, and it creates some chaos. Well, I didn't get to watch those races last (laughs) year, so this year I get to watch them, which is why I'm excited. You did get to win one, though. I did. Well, yeah, and it doesn't really get much more chaotic than that one was. So. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I get to watch that in two weeks. I'll, I'll get to see the truck race there again. So that should be cool. You you actually get to sit
1: back and enjoy that one as opposed to last year where you had to kind of squeeze your eyes shut and pray the whole hole <laughs> was, was there and all worked out. I mean, going back to Daytona for the Xfinity race this time on the heels of having won the truck race last year. What's that feeling like? I mean, what's that feeling to know this year when you walk into the World Center of Racing, you're doing so as a driver who
2: has won there? Uh, I mean, it's, it's cool, but at the same time, you know that Xfinity is going to be a new challenge. And all you can do is, is do your homework and try to put yourself in the best position possible. People, people really put a lot of emphasis on luck in plate racing, I don't know if that's the best way to describe it because I think you can make or or lose your own luck in plate racing depending on the decisions you make, um, and you can easily put yourself in a dangerous position and it work out horribly for you. Um, We've seen plenty of that. Yeah, but you can at the same time put yourself in a good position, and nine times out of ten you'll come out good. There's always that one time yeah. where you end up flipping, like you know some guys do. But if you put yourself <laughs> in a good position, then, then you're more likely to come out. All right. So I've got the experience of that in the truck now going into the Xfinity car, which is helpful, but the difference is Xfinity. Now there's even more guys who do their homework, more guys who have, you know, dozens of plate races under their belt. So, you know, it's going to be harder naturally, Mm -hmm. as well as these cars have less downforce, like we discussed. So therefore they're just more difficult to drive period on a plate track. So, um, I've, I've definitely got my work cut out for me. I don't think last year gives me any sort of confidence per se going into the Xfinity race, but more just uh, some some cool memories. And and mm-hmm. I've I've got an uphill battle here for this <laughs> Xfinity race, and I'm ready for it. Well,
1: luckily we have Kaz Gralla for the rest of our uphill battle through this first hour. We have. Uh, about 45 minutes or so still to go and we hope uh, if you've got any friends who aren't already tuning in call them get them on the pmn radio app or uh tune in we've got links all over facebook and twitter we're going to step away for a brief moment but we continue with motorsports madness after this you're listening to the performance motorsports network and we'll be right back
5: That's 302 827 2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. I'm Kaz Grallen. You're listening
2: to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, so how cool is that, Kaz? Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Being able to hear your voice. I hate hearing <laughs> myself. I sound, I sound awful. <laughs> no, I you that did that great.
3: That was a good re
1: <laughs> We We just totally psyched him out, though, which is what we do when people come in this building for the first time. Interesting sort of
3: techno music behind it, too.
1: <laughs> All that said, welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on PMN. We're playing head games with Kaz Gralla, who's joining us for the first hour of tonight's Motorsports Madness show. Jacob Selman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza also with you as we usually are to start off the week and... We're going to have story time with Kaz in a little bit because some interesting things happened over the holidays and a certain Justin Haley Bird, who I have a feeling based on Twitter is listening in, uh, is not here, but he's going to be the subject of said story. So we'll get to that with Kaz in a minute. In the meantime, Tom, he's a Ford driver. I'm going to tie tie this in because there was a little bit of Ford news today in the form of David Reagan having a sponsor for the Daytona 500. In the form of Speedco, which is one of the brands underneath the Love's Travel Stops family, which is supporting Reagan's teammate, Michael McDowell. This is
3: good. It is good. Well, yeah, David has a number of races to fill. Yes. And so it's a good opportunity for Speedco. And, you know, I've said this before. I believe that Front Row is a team that is headed up. I think their increased support with Roush Fenway... And I think the fact that they've got some different crew chiefs over there, some different personnel, some of uh, them coming from Roush, mm-hmm. I believe that team's going to be very tough. And I fully expect them. I don't know that they're going to qualify well necessarily. I do fully expect them to race well in the 500. Both Michael McDowell and David Reagan are excellent plate racers. I mean, we, we know David's won a couple. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of them for Front Row at Talladega. So and one, for, one Roush. for Roush. So there's no question in my mind that this can only be a good thing for Speedco is where mm-hmm. I'm going with this because right. I do believe those cars will get some TV time. And it's nice to see that Love's Travel Stops is keeping their commitment and you know bringing the Speedco brand in. Absolutely. And I'm hoping that... You know, if there are companies out there that want to get into the sport at the cup level, that's a great opportunity because, again, that's a team on the way up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Now, are you concerned, though, because there was an exchange between the official Front Row account and a fan on Twitter this morning referencing the fact that Camping World and their family of brands, which was – a major portion of David's sponsor allotment, I think 75% of the season last year, is at least at this point not signed on the dotted line. That's not to say that there might not be something in the works, and they won't be, but with only a couple weeks to go before the start of the season, are you concerned? Is, is there any sort of orange or red
3: alert yet? Um. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think we know enough about whether we should be concerned or not we don't know what's going on on uh, in the inside there i would say that you know if you've only got about a third or less of your races covered and you're going to daytona yeah i'd probably be concerned but we don't know what front Row's working mm-hmm. on i will say this cisco that i think given that speedco is going to be on the two cars at daytona and they do have some sponsorship. McDowell's got most of his races covered, or at least I think about two-thirds of them. Um, you know, I, I don't know that we should be concerned right now, but I think if we get a couple weeks further, Cisco, we probably ought to start wondering. I mean, again, I think this is a great team and a great opportunity for some companies, but we don't know what, uh, where they are with Camping World. We just know they're not signed yet.
4: Yeah, and I wanted to ask the one person out of everybody here on the show who's actually won at Daytona. Hey, Kaz, what do you think (laughs) about those front row cars? What do you (laughs) think? They got some for Daytona?
2: I think so. I mean, they've run really well at plate races before, and I've gotten the chance to know David quite a bit. Uh, Just from the summer shootout, we'd always... Pit right across oh, from right him in the garage. That, yeah. Actually, he had my dad's company on the quarter panel of his legend car back in the legends million oh, wow. years ago. So. How young were you at that, that point? Like ten? Yeah, I probably been, would have been about eleven or yeah. twelve. Um, so I, I know David, and he's a fantastic plate racer. So I, I, I would definitely not be shocked to see those cars running up front in the 500. And I mean, as I've learned before you run well at Daytona and mm-hmm. what races you may not have sold for that year that may fix or help that problem yeah, going absolutely. forward. Yeah. So if, if they're still looking for sponsorship, I think that Daytona is a great opportunity to, 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 in their search for them going forward. Well I think that Kaz, you ought to be hoping
1: that the front row cars run well at Daytona because you and they have one very big thing in common and that's that Roush Technical Alliance for this year which I know you were talking in our first segment how big some of the engineering and and simulation support that you guys are going to have this year at JGL how important that is, but I don't think we can undersell just how big the the Roush Technical Alliance that you guys are going to have really is to this Team this year,
2: yeah. I mean, you look at what Roush was able to do last year, and uh, their their Xfinity cars are always fast on the plate tracks, Uh, and their Cup cars last year were outstanding on the plate tracks. Uh, Particularly Ricky, who won two of the two of the four, I believe, in Cup, Mm -hmm. um, and ran well at all four. So uh, clearly, they know what they're doing on the plate tracks, and and we're lucky enough to be able to share the notebook with them. So. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about that. You add in JGL already has pretty good cars on the plate tracks because they've had success there themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think our three plate races this year will be will be good opportunities for us to to try to show well. All right, story time and.
1: I just texted your partner in crime, so he'll correct us if we get it wrong. But I want you to talk about this little fire-breathing watch that (laughs) Justin Haley gifted you with over the holidays because the Instagram post looked fun.
2: What's the story behind that? Well, I mean, it was kind of out of nowhere, to be honest. I mean, Justin and his family are what the kids now say, extra. (laughs) They definitely go above and beyond. (laughs) Extra! Um, They are they they go all out. So uh, it it did and it didn't surprise me to get a flame throwing watch for Christmas from him. So um, that was that was definitely pretty cool. I was just using it as house last night actually while watching the Super Bowl. Um, he got a new racing simulator and I was I was providing the exhaust backfires for him <laughs> while he was on it. Um, wow. but, but that thing has been pretty fun. He's got, he's got a gas fireplace at his house. So it was his idea to turn the gas on, <laughs> but not actually give it a spark. Just throw a fireball at it <laughs> and ignite the whole fireplace. And it worked. that was the Instagram that video. That was, that's right. I and saw that. it looks fake, but I swear that is a hundred percent real. It It was pretty cool. Okay. I'm going to ask the stupid question.
1: Where do you? Where does one get <laughs>
2: a fire breathing?
4: What,
7: <laughs> Probably yeah, on Amazon. I you know. a Stupid to question. That's a very important <laughs> question, Jacob. There's an easy answer,
2: but there's a, f- a follow up question as well. Okay. He got it online. <laughs> How he came across it and decided that that was the present, I could not answer for you. I don't know where he got that idea, but you can order it online. Come to find out, <laughs> of all the people that
3: that we know, the other, you know, development rising stars, okay, that gift could only have come from Justin Haley. Yeah. yeah. Nobody I mean, else. Would no have, one else
2: is crazy enough yeah. to get someone else a, a flamethrower. Flame throwing no. watch. He is dangerous. I mean, you yeah.
1: wouldn't think it. Oh, but. for sure. <laughs>
3: See, this is what he gets when he doesn't show up. We just pick on him. The whole, <laughs> yeah, well. But we do that when he's here. I was going to say, so even when he's here, not, we throw him under the bus. But, okay, I, I'm to get back to a serious question. Yeah, all, by for, all means. For a bit. Um, okay, so you've, you've got all of the Roush technical support. You've got Shane Wilson. You talked earlier about the fact that you're looking forward to getting back to the Xfinity car because you feel like – It's more like the intuitive way that you have always driven a car. Talk about the difference for the average fan, because as you say, the arrow is completely different. And I was actually surprised when you said there's more downforce on a truck than an Xfinity car, I guess that would be true. But of course, the center of gravity, I think, is a little higher. It's just a different feeling when you're racing the truck, right? If you, it, it, and let's say we take you off a of Daytona and put you onto a, you know, a normal mile or mile and a half racetrack, talk about the difference in driving style between the two.
2: Yeah, I mean, looking at it, and I can tell you from a complete non-racing fan's perspective, which would be my grandmother's, um, <laughs> you looking at. A truck versus a car, you think, well, you're sitting way higher in a truck. It's way heavier. Clearly, it's light in the back because there's a bed. In fact, those are none of the actual differences. If you were to take the body off the truck in the Xfinity car, you pretty much would see no difference. They are the same weight, built the same way. They handle the same way. You're sitting at the same height. It, It is not at all what the difference between a pickup truck and a car is on the real road. It's interesting because when even when I look at the truck
3: versus the Xfinity, it looks like the truck is different. It's it's a higher.
2: It uh, I guess sh- it's just deceiving. The dimensions of the way the body is. are slightly different. It it's slightly taller and slightly narrower than than a, an Xfinity car, but that is a small fraction okay. of the difference. the The biggest difference is the body shape, okay, which is not. It's not just looks like it seemed like it may be. When you're going 180 miles an hour, the air is moving very differently around a car versus a truck. And in a truck, you look at it; it looks like a brick, which is why it's got a lot of downforce and a lot of drag. Okay. because there's a lot of air pushing down on it because there's a lot of surface area. And surprisingly enough. The single biggest difference between a truck and a car. You look at the right side of a truck and it's like a billboard. It is flat, it is big, it is tall. And so when you go into the corner and your right rear is yawed out, you've got a billboard catching air trying to push you straight again. That's called side force. In an Xfinity car, it's shaped like a car, it's more rounded off, it's shorter, there's less surface area. So, therefore, you don't have as much to lean on. Well, the trucks, you're leaning on all that. In fact, you're cornering harder than the tires even can. It's false grip because it's all just air. Well, that's why when you get aside another truck and all of a sudden you don't have that air that you had, now you're relying on the tire grip, which is a much lower level of grip than what you were just doing when you were driving around by yourself. That's why you see so much chaos when there's passing in trucks. In Xfinity, it's a far smaller delta between clean air and dirtier. Um, so that's why driving an Xfinity car is much more like driving a late model at, say, 100 miles an hour. Even though it's going way faster, the, the air is, is much more minimal than the truck. The truck, you literally you have to learn how to race a truck and only a truck. It's completely different. You have to retrain your your brain coming from short track racing and cars to race a truck solely because of that flat door, and that's it. it it's unbelievable. So now i got to just go back to what I'm more used to doing. This is why I like having the future engineering major on here because he knows
1: how to simplify this just enough so that those of us who aren't quite
2: as brilliant – Uh, can understand it. You're good at that. Well, thank you. I did my homework for Daytona last year on the aerodynamics. (laughs) It (laughs) worked off. (laughs) You got a trophy. That helped me. (laughs) (laughs) That's very
3: interesting. It it, it seems like going into the Xfinity car, you, you seem almost more relaxed as if, okay, I know how to do this. Now, of course, all the data and the other things that you have to learn is a whole other thing. But at least from the base driving standpoint, it feels like you're much more relaxed this year.
2: Yeah, I think it may take me a few races to kind of get back used to, once again, driving a car versus a truck. But I do feel like going into this season, I've got more experience under my belt of driving this type of vehicle than I did last year in the truck. Because the truck really is its own animal. Um, but, but this feels much more comfortable to me, I think. Of course, the competition level is higher, too. So sure. <laughs> there's, <laughs> yeah. that, there's that to worry about. Uh, but from a pure driving perspective, I think after a couple races, I should be back in the groove of things. I just got to figure out how to beat all those guys out there that have thousands and thousands of laps in these cars and cup cars. <laughs> so this just in before we
1: go to break. Text from J.J. Justin Haley. I asked, where on earth did you get the fire-breathing watch? His response, the aliens gave it to me for a Christmas present. <laughs> so <laughs> That is such a just <laughs> response. Yeah, <it's, laughs>
3: a, as you correctly and accurately pointed out, he's... little extra
6: (laughs) we're we're gonna take a
1: break before anything else really creepy happens Uh, actually it's probably good that justin's not in here tonight otherwise there might be an alien invasion we'll be back with more (laughs) motorsports madness on the other side of this if we haven't been taken away you're listening to pmn the performance
5: motorsports network or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way.
3: HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America.
2: Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show. That... Allows
1: me to offer a plug from our friend Jason Chrisley at NASCAR. Two things. Number one, the all-new NASCAR Home Tracks website officially launched today Yay! at hometracks.nascar.com. There's a lot of fun stuff and a really nice updated look to the website for 2018. Go on and check it out. The second plug that I can offer is that Sunday night at New... Smyrna Speedway, which is not too far down the road from Daytona Beach, we're going to have the season opening race for the NASCAR k Pro oh, Series serious. East yep. for 2018. Did you ever get to run the East Race at Smyrna, Cass? Oh, yeah. I
2: At least once. I darn near won the I thing. I was going to say, I thought you did. I was, yeah. was about to come in if you didn't. I, I, let me I'm try to remember this Which ride. year was it? I qualified... It uh, would have been 2015, fif- 15, I think. I think I ran it 16 as well. Okay, okay. I ran it 14, 15, and 16. It, I, di- I did significantly better each <laughs> there, year. There you go. I,
1: it To me, that's one, of, that's one of those where it just kind of jumps up at me because it feels like Smyrna hasn't been on the K&E schedule that long, but I guess it is now in its fifth or sixth year of being on the schedule. And a- as you mentioned, you you did get progressively better
2: in the opener
1: each year, and that's just a fun track.
2: Yeah, yeah, it it absolutely is. I love that place. I think this will be the fifth race there. I was in the first one that they had there, so I was in the first three. It doesn't Um, feel like it's been on the schedule that long. It really does. Even to me, it it sounds like it's been a while now, five. It feels like just like... Two weeks ago was in the first one I was going to say,
1: that makes you old.
2: <laughs> I guess, well, I would oh, definitely. If I was still in k and I'd be a wily veteran. <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> <yeah, laughs> in yeah, Xfinity, yeah. I have no idea. I'm going in cold as a, a little baby. But um, <laughs> Been a rookie two years in a row now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have been. That's true.
3: If you win Daytona this year in the Xfinity car, then you know what's going to happen when you get to Cup. In a couple of years, everybody's going to be betting on you to pull it off in your rookie year out of consistency. Trevor oh, Bain. boy. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. You'd be the next Trevor Bain. Pretty, uh, that'd be pretty impressive. And you know what? I feel like, I mean, do you feel like you've got a shot? I mean, I know there's a lot of new stuff going on for you, but I mean, gosh, JGL Allis run well and and with the Roush Alliance. I mean, so much of Daytona is sort of, I don't want, I won't say luck, but it's circumstance. Mm
0: hmm. You know,
3: you, you, got, you won because of circumstance last year. And so much of plate racing is about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've got as good a shot as the, the top 15 probably sure. do there. Um, and depending on how I play my cards and how Shane pulls the strategy, um, I, I think we, we definitely have an opportunity. And, and I've been working this offseason to try to be likable. Because it always helps when you've got someone (laughs) behind you that's Mm -hmm. willing to push you. Um, so, so so hopefully if we find ourselves in that position what? up front, I've got a teammate in Dylan Lupton or really anybody who's willing to push right. any other forward, anybody um, w- would be welcome to push me if we're up front. How does one work to be likable? I mean, I, I've,
3: well, I've always thought you were likable. Like, I'm trying not
2: to be rude. Uh, I don't want <laughs> to make anyone mad going into Daytona. That's not helpful. I don't
1: know that I've ever seen you at a racetrack that you've not been likable I mean you you're probably one of the not that this is totally going to come across with the right wording but I think bubbly would kind of be the adjective I would use there you've always got this bounce in your step whenever you're at a racetrack I I really don't know and, and I've really rarely ever seen anybody mad at you
2: well, I've, I've had a few mad at me. But like, <laughs> I can think of a time I, or two, maybe. I think, I think that if you're in <laughs> racing and you're racing hard, you're going to have someone mad at yeah. you. So I feel like I've had probably proportionally less people mad at me than most. So I, I'm happy about that. <laughs> but no, I mean, if I'm at a racetrack, I'm happy because sure. who doesn't want to be at a racetrack? I've and you're getting to do this for a living. So right. like, heck yeah, how could you not be happy about it.
3: I've never had a chance to ask you this, but how did you get started in racing in the first place? What got you interested in the sport?
2: His dad, I bet. I mean, my dad a little bit. He was the one that kind of got me into a go-kart, but it, it was just at the same time. When it, when you're like four, five, six years old, you're just trying every sport, seeing mm-hmm. what you enjoy and what you're good at. So go-karting uh, is not typically one that most parents consider to be The same as Little League and soccer and all that. But my dad, having raced, he did. So Mm. I gave everything a shot, including go-karting. And I continued to play baseball and soccer and tennis and swimming at the same time as go-karting. And eventually I started skipping practices and skipping (laughs) games to go – Drive around in my go-kart in a parking lot because I, it was just more enjoyable for me. That, that was what I loved to do. And eventually I got to the point where I'm like, all right, I don't, I don't have time for this other stuff. I really just want to be driving this thing. Oh, there. Um, so, you made your own choice. <laughs> you know, not always in racing is it where the parents don't care. I mean, a, a lot of times the parents are trying to live their dream through their kid. And I was lucky enough that my dad, he got to live his dream and, and race in the Rolex 24 and race in IMSA like he wanted to. Yep. And he had nothing left to be accomplished that he wanted to do. So it was 100% naturally whatever I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I think he, having been in motorsports, knows how difficult and cutthroat of an industry it is. Mm-hmm. I bet he would have been happier than a clam for me to have picked ben Baseball. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna get to the road race part because you gotta be just
3: drooling for the road races on the schedule.
2: Oh yeah, I'm. I'm just sad I have to wait about six or eight months. Till oh, we I know. <laughs> I was You're wishing like, can they of, be tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I didn't even watch a single minute of the Rolex 24 because it was just too painful <laughs> not being oh. in it. It was so sad <laughs> because you got to you got to be in it uh, a year ago. I did it the last two years, and that's probably. Uh, my favorite race of the year, and uh, I mean, when you're a NASCAR regular, getting to do a change of pace in a sports car is a lot of fun because the grass is always greener, right? But I'm right. sure the sports car guys would love to come to a NASCAR race. So for me, it's well, that, <laughs> it's that one race a year that I get to do something. A little bit different than what I normally do, and right. and that's why I love it so much. So uh, I had a ride for it loosely this year. It was with the same team again, Change Racing. Okay, but yep. the owner Robbie Benton, he got a job actually at Penske at Penske <laughs> as one of the, I believe, a manager role team over manager. There. Yeah. So uh, that that put the kibosh on on running the rolex race they ended up shifting their focus he he went mm-hmm. to that rather than having the IMSA team continue so um hopefully i can get an opportunity to do that race in a future year because i love it dear nascar
1: if you're listening this is kaz Gralla petitioning for a race on the daytona
2: road course like next year <laughs> I would love that. Can I sign that, too? (laughs) Yes. Unfortunately, there's probably too many reasons why that won't happen. But I would love to do that, personally. Hey, I was going to (laughs) say,
1: they're doing it at Charlotte. So if that goes well in September, I mean, why not?
2: Yes, yes. The only difference is, I think a lot of NASCAR fans, myself included, really enjoy the oval races at Daytona. I think Charlotte was looking for a little change of pace because they do have two dates per year, and there's a lot of mile and a halfs on the schedule. But plate Fair. races, Cup only gets four of them a year, and I know from personal experience, I make sure that I tune in extra hard to those four and watch those live every every year because those are good ones, so... Plate race or road course race, I think they're both great, so they're probably going to stick with their plate races. But, hey, if more mile-and-a-halves want to do what Charlotte's doing with the road course, Kaz- I, am, <laughs> I am not going to be the guy to say no to that.
1: All right, so we're going to step aside. When we come back, we'll have a little more conversation with Kaz Gralla and a couple news nuggets as well. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we continue on the Performance Motorsports Network right after this.
7: It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion.
2: Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled.
7: Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
6: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
2: Hi, I'm Noah Grayson, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Bum, bum, bum. Welcome back to the madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and our special guest for the first half of tonight's program, JGL Racing driver Kaz Gralla, and Cisco. Because we were just talking about road coursey stuff, I know you want to tie in a certain playoff race that's going to be on a road course.
4: Well, I wanted to see Kaz. Uh, obviously, I'm, you you like the road courses, so I wanted to get your take on the on the Roval.
2: Well, I've had the opportunity to drive on it already uh, in a Fury car. Okay, good. This past worried. season, so I've got a couple laps there. But of course, it's it's a different track because they are adding, I believe, two bus stops. To the course for the the Xfinity and the Cup race, which last year had not already been integrated. So, what I did was I drove all the way from NASCAR turn one back around to NASCAR turn one on the the Roval. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Yes. So, NASCAR is changing it up a little bit, which I think was necessary for, for what they're looking to accomplish. But, um,. I can't speak to what the exact course will be because I haven't been on that one, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It was Mm -hmm. fun to drive the way I drove it, Um, but it is the Martinsville of road courses. It (laughs) is (laughs) tight. (laughs) It is small. It's confined. It's going to be exciting, and I think you're going to see a lot of uh, bumper-to-bumper contact like you saw with Denny and Chase at Martinsville probably on the road course and you add in it's a cut race for Cup yeah. in their playoffs, and it's a playoff race for Xfinity as well, it's going to be one that you're not going to want to miss.
3: Now, there's yeah. marketing gold right there. Yeah, It's the Martinsville of road courses. If you yeah. want to sell tickets, just tell fans We're running, we've yes. got the Martinsville of road courses.
1: Yes, Paging Marcus Smith and Scott yeah. Cooper, Cas just gave you your marketing
3: slogan for yeah, the there's year. there's your quote, Cisco.
4: It it sounds like Kaz that you know obviously it may happen in the future, but this is the closest we're going to get to like a street circuit in a way, the way you're describing it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's got it's got many uh, similar qualities about it, and one thing it does have that a street course does not have, frankly, almost no road course does have, is the fans will be able to see the whole track from the grandstands because you can see the whole mile and a half, and it's all within the mile and a half. So. That's something I'm going to be looking forward to as a cup fan myself, is being able to see that. Sonoma, there are places that you can see a lot of the track, but still it's always a fight because turn 11 is the most exciting turn on the track, mm-hmm. and there is no place where you can see turn 11 and most of the other track <laughs> at yeah. the same point. Um, so Charlotte is going to give the fans something that they want from, mm-hmm. from that perspective. You mentioned that you got
1: a chance to take a few laps on a modified version of the Charlotte Roval in a Fury race car. And for those fans at home who don't know, Fury Race Cars is a chassis and race car building company that your father uh, has been basically the, the head man for for Knows. a little while yep. a while here. Talk a little bit about what's going on with Fury and especially I know there was a lot of buzz when you guys announced the road course program that you guys were building the road course cars and they look so
4: good. They're awesome.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they've, they've got some exciting things going on over there. So Fury race cars Uh, has for over a year been building super light models and modifieds and and selling those nationally. And they've had a lot of success in both of those. They've won championships in both. They've won the Snowball Derby. Mm -hmm. Um, So they've accomplished from a performance uh, view everything that they've needed to for light models and modifieds. So Mm -hmm. uh, my dad and I share the same love and passion for road course racing. And uh, it was his idea to kind of, uh, introduce a, a new challenge for us, which was road course cars that we're building. So um, they've got some really cool ones over there. You can get it in a Mustang or a Camaro. Of course, I'm pushing for the Mustang. Of course, you. I um, why? <laughs> but they're they're flange fit bodied cars. They're built like a stock car. It's basically like a K and N car would be, um, except it weighs a thousand pounds less. It weighs even less than a super light model wow. with almost 600 horsepower. And a four-speed transmission like you would get in a, a K9 car, a truck, Xfinity mm-hmm. car, etc. So um, I can tell you, having driven everything from a Miata to a Lamborghini in the Rolex 24, that this is the most fun car that I've ever driven on a road course. The Fury car, that is. Um, it will be. It, 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 I think it's going to catch on really big. They're just. It's a new product. They're starting to sell them, and we're starting to do some marketing around it. But um, the the idea is, mm-hmm. rather than your your average guy going to buy a Porsche or a BMW to go uh, drive around at his local road course track, um, instead you buy one of these, which is cheaper than any sports car you would be buying, especially to maintain, and yet casually goes quite a few seconds faster <laughs> than any of the other ones. Um, this, this thing hauls the mail. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to this hitting the market big and, and turning a lot of heads because it's definitely new in mm-hmm. its class of cars.
1: Paint, paint the picture really fast, and then I know Cisco's got a question. It's, we talk about this being a road course car. Does it look like a
2: sports car body? On the chassis? It does. It's got all the body lines that uh, a real Camaro or Mustang has. So it's got that sporty look. It looks mean and wide. From the inside, you would think you were in a cup car or an Xfinity car, uh, which is a plus because it's the same safety-wise like a cup car or an Xfinity car. That's awesome. So it runs at the cost of a stock car with the safety of a stock car, but it's got the look and the driving technique that a sports car would have. So it's the best of both worlds. Are you going to be able to spec these out for something like Trans Am or something like that if you wanted to get to that next level? Uh, yeah, Fury is is in talks now with Trans Am and NASA and SCCA. Um, there seems to be a lot of interest from different uh, series in possibly making a spec class of mm-hmm. these. Uh, or integrating them in existing classes in the case of Trans Am. So none of that's finalized yet, but um, it seems like there's a lot of interest for it. So I'm sure that will be something down the road coming. For now, it's just a track day car. uh, But in the future, they expect large volumes of these cars to be racing, much like a, a Miata. That's awesome. That's a little in the future, though. I think we ought to go rapid fire for a
1: couple minutes with Kaz and see what kind of fun we can have here. Oh, boy. So... Just bear with us. So for, for, first thing that pops into my head, looking down the Xfinity schedule, one track that you're most excited
2: to go to and one track you wish you could just blow off the schedule right now. <laughs> uh, probably the most excited for Watkins Glen for extremely obvious reasons. Yeah, I can't um, imagine why. <laughs> uh, least excited for... Hmm. That's a tough one. I mean, I can tell you... Uh, the plate races are stressful because a lot can happen, mm-hmm. but we don't have one in the playoffs like the trucks do. So that's kind of a relief right off the bat. Um, I, I guess what I could say is Indianapolis is a track that, because of all its fame and history, you want to go there, but that's one of the few tracks this year actually I've never raced on. Mm-hmm. So that's one that's kind of a an unknown factor for me. Why Watkins Glen and Not Road America? Simply because I've never raced at Road America or Mid-Ohio or the Charlotte Roval, but I have raced oh God, at Watkins Glen. And almost won at Watkins Glen. I did. I, I've had some really good runs there in K&N. And, in fact, I have won multiple times at Watkins Glen, but in, uh, in AER and SCCA. Okay. So, um, so I've got some wins there, but now I need to make a win in a stock car, and all the cup guys are there. Yes. Uh, that weekend. Yes. So there's a lot of excitement for me there.
3: If you win at Watkins Glen in the stock car, are you going to drive that track backwards? <laughs>
2: I'll do it. Yeah. It might it might take me about 10 yes, minutes. to say. And I'll probably pass fewer cars on the roofs while I'm doing it. But I'll do it. Absolutely. That was still
3: one of my favorite all-time post-race, the whole thing. you driving backwards. The yes. victory lane interview was classic. Yes. You were just so stunned. It was
2: <laughs> just like. Oh, you don't
1: even know. <laughs> All right. So there was a little bit of a moment we were discussing it during one of the breaks on twitter a couple of days ago where somebody made the comment that we have the g and the l for Gralla and your teammate dylan lupton taken care of in jgl racing this year and somebody was petitioning to get jimmy johnson on board to fill out the j so of the nascar field past or present
2: if you could fill out that j with a teammate of your choice who would it be Oh, I think Twitter said it best. Something tells me that Jimmy Johnson's probably got a, a trick or two up his sleeve. Or 10. That, <laughs> that I would love to hear. <laughs> and he's my favorite driver of all time. So, really? Oh, yeah. See? He, he's one of the few. I said it on Twitter, too. One of the few drivers uh, in the Cup Series that I have yet to meet to this date. So uh, hopefully someday I'll get to do so.
1: Paging, paging Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah. Can we
3: can we fix that for this 19-year-old this year? I, I, yeah, at least like Make an introduction, you know, yeah. have a milk Come and cookies session or something. I mean, I, unfortunately, I think Chevy probably would dissuade him from doing <laughs> that, even if he wanted to. But uh, I, I, it's funny, though, how you ended up with the G and the L. You know, I guess it, maybe somebody goes out and finds a J now to fill it out. <laughs> Why not?
1: Something like that. All right. Last question, and this does not necessarily pertain to you and in, in the Xfinity Series, but you've been talking all this first hour both from the perspective of a driver and from a fan. So put your fan hat on for a minute. Looking at the Cup Series for this year,
2: call your shot who wins the Daytona 500 and why. The Daytona 500, I mean, that's – I mean, there's about – Forty of them out there that might, so <laughs> that's I a tough one. It, that's a tough one. Um, I I truly think that the Hendrick cars are going to be the ones to beat this coming Sunday. That's qualifying yep. day. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> when we get to the race, all of a sudden there's a whole lot more variables. But one thing I can say is I've watched the onboard camera before. From Larson's car for the mm-hmm. entirety of the race, and he seems like an underdog plate racer to me. He seems to know exactly what he's doing. He just can't seem to catch a luck break. He was uh, within half a races. lap of winning it last he year. He was yes. Yeah. So I think I think he's one that you're going to find up front on on the Daytona 500 day. So Cas Gralla has Kyle Larson. Well,
3: how about sponsors? Who, who, who yeah,
1: do do we, do, do we have news on that yet?
2: Uh. It, we will be announcing that very shortly <laughs> uh, for, for what's going to be on the car at Daytona, okay. but we've got some big things in the works there. Good. Anybody so,
3: else you need to thank before we get you out of here?
2: Well, I mean, of course, the obvious. i got to thank Mr. Whitener over at JGL for, for giving me the chance to drive this car this year because uh, he's taken a, a bit of a risk on me. I'm a rookie. Um, and he's got a lot of new, like we've discussed this year, and he decided to add even more new with a new driver. <laughs> so uh, he's taking a risk on me, and, and hopefully I'm able to deliver for him. So uh, I can't thank him enough.
3: Well, I guess my final question would be, have you spent any time with Dylan Lupton already to try to compare driving styles? Because obviously you're from two different ends of the country. So, I mean, is the chemistry there between the two of you?
2: We are from two different ends of the country, which has made it a little bit tricky. We hung out today (laughs) just a couple hours ago, actually. We had an Xfinity appearance that we were both at, and and we chatted for a while. But he does still live full-time in California. So since uh, the off-season when I've been over at the shop every day, he's been primarily over on the West Coast. So uh, I believe he told me this summer he will be over full-time on the East Coast, and so we're definitely going to get closer when he's over here. But for now, it's more of a long-distance pen pal relationship. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard that phrase in a while. (laughs) Well, we're going to let
1: you get out of here since we know you have to be up very early tomorrow morning to continue getting ready for Daytona. Oh, yeah. Th- th- those 5 o'clock wake-up calls, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. They come up very quickly. Well, we appreciate you coming in and spending some time with us, Kaz. It's ni- like I said, it's been nice to have you actually in here, and we'll look forward to hopefully making it a bit more
2: of a regular occurrence this year. Absolutely. Anytime you guys will have me. I'm only a couple have minutes away. to
3: get you away. and uh, the California kid in here both and talk to you for a while one night.
2: Well, I I told him
1: we need to get him and uh, Justin Haley in here. That that show, they might be able to take it
3: over from us. If we get him, Justin, and Lupton, we would have the J, the G, and the L, you see.
1: Yes, we would. We all. Oh, w- name, they also might fire us all, and they, yeah. could, they could take care of the entire show. We wouldn't exactly. have to do any work. Exactly. Anyway, that's Kaz Gralla. We're going to step away. When we return, we're shifting to the dirt side of life for our second hour. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. We're halfway, and we continue when we come back here
6: to PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
7: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
0: Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Port Chop, Stephen Evans.
1: Oh, boy. Steve's got a lot to live up to, too, after that first hour. Yeah, it was great. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. If you're just joining us, we just got done with a uh, first half of the show that included guest co-host, we can call him. He he talked about a lot, did Kaz Gralla with sure us. Did. And now uh, And we'll look forward to having him back here sooner rather than later to represent JGL Racing and wish him the best of luck in next weekend's NASCAR Xfinity Series season opener. But... We transition to the dirt side, kind of. We're, we're still going to have a NASCAR tie here in during this segment. But first, Steve-O, welcome
8: back, sir. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it, guys. My motto has always been, uh, you know, under-promise and over-deliver. So. <laughs> well, let's deliver
1: another news item and kind of, for a minute, stick with the NASCAR theme but with a dirt driver. So Max McLaughlin in four truck races
8: for Nice Motorsports this year. Um, yes, please. Uh yeah, and Jacob, you and I talked about this earlier this week. This is one of those deals that you know you're super happy for Max McLaughlin because he has earned this opportunity uh by by his performance behind the wheel. But as a dirt track commentator i gotta tell you there's a little part of me that dies inside and cringes <laughs> when i see one of our dirt stars uh be lured into the asphalt world but i'll, I'll tell you this i think that Nice motorsports has got one whale of a driver mm-hmm. that's why they've signed him to this development deal mm-hmm. and, and you guys know this probably even better than i do Uh, It being that Max's, you know, dirt experience up here in the Northeast has not nearly uh, been as long of a length of time as you guys have been able to kind of see what talent he has behind the wheel, uh, you know, from his time racing down in the Southeast. So um, I'm really excited for Max, and, and I think that this is going to be an incredible opportunity for this young man to to really, Jacob, as as you pointed out to me when we spoke earlier this week, this is really his goal, and that's mm-hmm. the important thing to remember here. And that's exactly the point I was
1: going to make, Tom. Steve started to say it's a dirt guy lured to the asphalt, but <laughs> it really wasn't. Because if you talk to Max from the beginning, NASCAR has always been – at or very close to the top of his goals list. I think you and I, we knew this was coming. It was just a matter of when and what
3: team would take a chance on him. Well, when you're the son of Magic Shoes, Mike McLaughlin, and Magic Shoes went from dirt to pavement and ended up in NASCAR, Mm -hmm. then, you know, this is basically what you do. And I think probably... Mike might have preferred that Max just keep racing dirt, but you know this is inevitable. And and Nice Motorsports is building a small empire over there. I mean, yeah, and and this is good. It's good to see a team like Nice Motorsports, Steve, stepping it up. Now, here is the deal with, in my opinion, with Max. Max, no matter what he's gotten in, whether it was. A dirt modified IMCA style or a dirt modified up there, the super dirt car, big block type cars or a mini outlaw cart. You know, he's he's always excelled. He's always adapted very quickly. He gets that from his dad. He's going to do just fine in NASCAR. And, oh, by the way, I still have the feeling we're going to be seeing him on dirt a few times um, as he continues to grow into his career. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like we're seeing Justin Haley go down and, and run on the dirt you know, this week in the modified that he has the UMP car, in yep. the UMP car. And you see Kyle Larson and all the other guys. I, I don't think Max is going to be gone from dirt, but I understand yeah. what you're saying, Steve. It's it's hard to watch. But you know what? You, you, you've you got this other guy named Stewart, as in freezing. Who's made a transition and he still comes back and plays in the mud and does very well when he can. I got a feeling max will be just the same and it'll give, give us all somebody else to cheer for, but you knew this was coming.
8: Yeah, for sure. And, and here, you know, for the dirt track fans that are listening, this is, this is an important part to remember. He's still going to compete on the super dirt car series in 2018 for, for Hankey Baldwin racing. And, and I, I think that is very, very good news
7: uh
8: for for us is we're still going to get another season here of seeing you know Max tear it up on yep. the dirt here uh not only starting down in Florida but up here in the northeast as well and guys i i think you know just from a you know really going out and and you know having this last season i really really want to see max close the deal and win one of these super dirt car series races he was quick time and set new track records last year on the Super Dirt Car Series. And there was a lot of tracks that the series had either never been to or hadn't been to in a long time Mm -hmm. that really, from an experience and from a a note-taking perspective, it put Max on level ground with these guys that have been on the series for years. Mm -hmm. So I think that there is going to be such an opportunity with a full – season on tour under his belt that max is going to come out and win one of these races this year and and tom or jacob either one of you that wants to field this i I brought this up earlier this week we know there's going to be four races with nice motorsports and and for the dirt track fans up here a lot of them have been talking about the fact that they think they're going to see max at eldora (laughs) as one of those truck races and it's easy to think that But guys, I think he needs to benefit more from familiarizing himself with the asphalt I'm not so sure that maybe Eldora is going to be one of those races. I agree with you to the extent that I believe he could use the time
3: and the asphalt, but can we just start the campaign? If it's not in the four, can we add it as a fifth and get that boy in Eldora? Here's where I was going to go with this, Jacob. You know, you look at somebody like Max, and it's almost kind of a shame because in the days when when Mike, his dad, was coming up to the ranks, you know, Mike went from racing big block, Super dirt car type modifieds mm-hmm. up there to racing super modifieds the swiggo to racing NASCAR tour modifieds. Then came down and raced NASCAR. Mm-hmm. There's two steps there that Max has not been able to fulfill yet, and the way that everything ends up being sort of specialized today, yeah. it's not as easy to go just jump in something. In your free time, because contractually you can't always do that. But gosh, I'd like to see that boy in both the super and the modified a little bit. I just he's extremely talented, very humble kid. I think he's he's everything to me that his dad was. Oh, yeah. This is a young driver for all of you in our audience to really keep our eye on. A Keep your eye on. Preach, preach,
1: preach, preach. Yes. I'm just going to be that guy. And say right now, if they have a plan for those four races, and I know Max, Max is already in somebody's ear begging, scratching, (laughs) clawing, and pleading for Eldora to be one of those truck races. Why? Because if I know Max, he believes he can win it. And that's where I'll leave that. We're going to step away to a break. And when we return, we continue our dirt track conversation because, well, There was kind of sort of a lot of racing over the last four or five days that we're going to talk about next. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we're back after this on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
4: Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought
3: to you by the U.S. Air Force.
8: Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back
1: to the Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and Dr. Dirt Steve Ovens with you. Talking racing on a Monday night right now of the dirt track variety. And Steve, that's a good thing because, well, there was a lot of racing that we have to talk about here during the next couple of segments. So I'm going to let you pick where you want to start. Should we start with the sprint car variety or the late model variety?
8: Well, uh, I think we ought to start with the sprint car variety because... When it comes to the late model variety, uh, it's much of the same. A continuation (laughs) of 2017. So let's start with the winged warriors.
1: All right. We will do just that. The Arctic Cat All-Star Circuit of Champions opening their season at Bubba Raceway Park in Ocala, Florida. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of last week to kick off the month of February. We had three races. We also, Steve... I think notably, had three different winners. And the theme on opening night of the season, as you so eloquently pointed out a moment ago, was more of the same because defending All-Star Sprint Car Champion Chad Kemenaw kicked off the year by going from, what, 17th to the win? And, oh, by the way, footnote here, a 30-lap feature that took an hour-plus to complete, had ten cautions, two open reds for refueling, and took a hundred and eighteen laps.
8: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was um, from that perspective. It was a little bit of a rough way to get the season started, and 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 I don't think if 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 Chad Kemenaw was was brutally honest, I I don't think that without you know that kind of marathon race that a feat of driving from the back of the field to the front to get the win would have necessarily been possible, but Hey, that's why we race these races. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, the the situation did pan out that way. He did drive from the back to the front and, and he showed on opening night of the series that if you're going to win the championship, you gotta go through him and that came to the surprise of nobody <laughs>
1: of nobody. I was, I was waiting to
8: see who it came to the surprise of. Me. Yeah. It disappointed me.
1: All right. So in all of that, Steve, It was a bit of a crash fest. Fun fact from opening night of the All-Stars season, and let's also point out, by the way, that the All-Star races in Florida do not count towards the regular points championship, but they will have their own separate points fund that will be paid out at the end of the two races at Volusia later this week. However, fun fact from opening night, out of all the 12 cars that started on the outside row of the main event lineup, only one of the twelve made it to the checkered flag, and who else would that be, Steve? But the outside pole sitter, a man named Smoke. Well,
8: it helps when you start up front, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it does.
1: And not only did he start second, he finished second too. This was a great opening for Tony.
8: Oh, absolutely, and and I think that you know that's that's big for him uh, from a confidence level because. You know, he he, last year he he did run a lot of sprint car races, but he admitted, you know, straight up last year. You know, it's it's taking him a little a little bit of time to get reacquainted with these cars. You know, last year was really the first year in several years that he had been able to run that many sprint car races in a Mm -hmm. season. So, you know, the technology changes, the setups change. Uh, There can be some differences in tires and compounds that they're using now. So, you know, that was big for him on opening night. I don't know that, you know, the the nights two and three necessarily went the same way for him, but that was a great way for Smoke to get his uh, sprint car campaign kicked off.
1: Yes, and there's another driver who went very, very well on opening night that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Let's move, though, for now to the winner of night number two and score one for the posse, Steve. And this is a driver who we don't normally talk about in Florida, but night two saw a wire-to-wire performance by Tim Schaefer. And this team and this driver, wow. When they get off to a good roll, they're usually dynamite, and he was dynamite so far.
8: Yeah, and and Jacob, I think this is the second year in a row now where we've seen Schaefer really show something to to kind of start off, uh, Flo- you know, Florida in February. But you know, in particular, Bubba Raceway Park, I believe it mm-hmm. was twenty seventeen that they really, you know, had some strong runs that ran up front. And I believe he might have even got one of those opening night wins last year. But, you know, this is, yeah, score one for the posse, score one for Tim Schaefer. He's going to be another guy that we're going to have to keep our eye on all season long. I think that that's a car that has the capability of competing for the championship here with the All-Stars. And I think it's going to be entertaining to watch because he showed us on night two that you know, they are at that level. And and again, that's a, another thing that doesn't surprise us in the least. No. Let's
1: add that Cary Madsen, brother to Ian Madsen, who's making a run at the World of Outlaws Rookie of the Year title this season, Carrie came up second ahead of Mark Smith on the podium here. Uh, those looking for Tony Stewart, he was ninth on night number two, the Friday show. Rico Abreu was 11th. Now... You move to night number three, and this Aww. is where I'm not this is not me eating crow because we still have to run five nights at Volusia, and I have an argument here in a second. However, Steve, I will give Tom a little bit of credit for saying that uh, he thought Sheldon Haudenshield was going to come out of the gate somewhat strong, and I would call a win on night number three at Bubba Raceway Park coming out
8: of the gate somewhat strong. Absolutely. And and here's here's a point that that I think is important for the races we've seen so far. And, and Tom, props to you on on your call on this very show last week about Sheldon Shield. I think if you're a World of Outlaw Sprint car competitor and, and you saw the race that Sheldon ran on night number three, if that doesn't make you stop and take notice and take this team seriously, then you're making a huge mistake because he showed weaving his way through traffic with a veteran driver hot on the, on his tail to run for the lead. He showed more poise, Tom and, and has really opened my eyes that what you said on this very program last Monday night is Legit and it is real, and that is Sheldon Hoon Shield in the seventeen team. Well, and you know,
3: here's the thing. Now, Jacob will will want to say that there's a big difference between winning an Arctic Cat All Stars race at Bubba Raceway Park and what's going to happen when they get to Volusia and you mix in the big guys. And my response to that is that. A race car driver is a race car driver is a race car driver. I don't care who's on the track with you. When you look at the performance and you said it exactly right, it's, it was the way that he won this race. My belief is, okay, maybe he doesn't win one at Volusia, Jacob, but my belief is that when we get to the World of Outlaws season and we start running for points, Last year, Sheldon Howdenshield had to carry the car. This year, he's got every single resource that he needs to just relax and let the car help him to the front. And I do believe, I said it last week, I'm saying it again, he runs for the championship in the Outlaws and he's a factor all the way down to the wire.
1: All right. My points that I'm going to make here are thus. Number one... This field did not have guys like Donnie Schatz, Brad Sweet, Darren Pittman, Jason Johnson, Shane Stewart, all the guys he's going to have to beat for the World of Outlaws championship, not just for the Big Gator championship at Volusia, but for the entire season. Yeah, None of those guys were represented here. Yes, there were some really good guys in this field that he beat. Kerry Madsen, Chad Kamenoff, Tim Schaefer. You don't just beat those guys but he also had the advantage of starting position and I think that what's going to be truly telling of how Sheldon is going to perform this season is what that car can do when he doesn't have the benefit of starting on the front row and has to come through traffic if he keeps a cool head he'll be okay but part of his problem last year was that he beat himself a lot and that's something you cannot do when you're making a run at an Outlaws title over a week or over a season. I do agree with you that this is a big step in the right direction, though, and proof that Ricky Stenhouse and Richard Marshall knew what they were doing when they signed him to drive this car for 2018, Tom. Now, I want to add really quickly the second point that I was going to make to this, Consistency's one thing winning a lot of races is another and that guy that wasn't in the field yet donnie shots he's the guy that wins a lot of races just saying
3: well yeah he wins a lot of races last year we were having a similar discussion about whether or not this guy named david gravel could actually contend all the way through, and I believe it was Steve and I who said, you know what? We believe he can, and you know what? He did,
1: and uh, Steve? No, he, Steve? No, with two months to go, he was 400 points out. That's not contending all the way he, through. He
3: contended for wins all the way through the wins season. and a and, championship are okay. two different things. Steve, I, I'm going to let you have the last word before the break on this, but... At the end of the day, I don't care what competition you put on the racetrack. This is a team that's already got a feature win. The confidence alone is going to spur them to be just fine. Maybe he doesn't beat Chauncey in Florida, but I still believe he's a contender going down the stretch.
8: In the words of our motorsports media brother and Dave Moody, horse hockey, (laughs) if you don't think that what Sheldon Haudenshield did this weekend is is signs of things to come. And, and I'm not buying that conversation. Yes, there are some drivers that are in the World of Outlaws field that is not in the All-Star field. I get that. But this is going to... I, it doesn't matter to me that it was an All-Star race. There is still a lot of heavy competition in, in yes. that race that he beat. And yes, he did start on the front row but you don't start on the front row just from a straight draw out at the, out at the pit gate, you had to earn that spot to be there. So, you know, and, and as far as, as, as Donnie shots goes, yes, that that is a, you know, when you look at where Sheldon ended the season last year and where Donnie shots was, yes, that's a, a huge mountain to climb, but you know, at some point, Donnie Schatz is not going to win 25 races a year. At some point, that's not going to be the norm. Well, <laughs> well At I, some I, point, I, Tom
3: Brady <laughs> is
8: going to stop winning. So,
3: oh wait, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I knew but you were going to find here's, a way to pull the Super Bowl. Oh, you had this. to. Go Eagles. Here's, 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 I'm going to send this to you because I know we're going to go to the break, Jacob, but here's my point. You're selling the Articat all-stars field short not all of those guys are there because they can't run up front in an outlaws race a lot of them are there because they can't afford to race for the world of outlaws and run 90 races a year i will buy that point
1: but at the end of the day until he actually beats the title guys he's gonna have to beat every week heads up i'm not as much of a believer as you two are. Okay. That's my You're story. Enough, Jacob. And I'm sorry Jacob
8: You won't have to wait long, because guess what? Volusia's coming. In
1: about 48 hours. I'm very well aware of that. Oh, by the way, Sprint Week, all of it is live on Dirt Vision. We'll talk more about that when we come back. You're listening to the Motorsports Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
2: Hey, I'm Brennan Poole, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: We are back here on PMN as we continue to talk dirt track racing on a Monday night. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and some dirt guy named Steve. Just saying. So... Before we get to the late model conversation that we didn't get to in our last segment, we were just having this discussion, Tom and I were during the break, steve That sprint week, six nights worth of racing, is going to be live, as are every World of Outlaws Craftsman Sprint Car Series race this season, on Dirt Vision, video pay-per-view. Now, we don't have full details on how they're going to work out the season yet, but we do know that the six nights of Sprint Week, which includes practice night on Tuesday, the two all-star races, and the three World of Outlaws features, six nights of racing for $80. bucks. That is just a shade over 13 bucks a night. That kind of a deal in the world of motorsports pay-per-view online is unheard of. Twitter said it best earlier today. To steal a phrase from Kaz Gralla, who joined us earlier in the show, you can't get that kind of deal anywhere.
8: Yeah, and and I, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of short tracks uh, across the country uh, on dirt that that can't offer that. So uh, that's uh, that that is an amazing deal, and 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 when you when you get that package, you know the quality is, is outstanding. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I I can't say enough about it. And, and I I know that we're going to talk about sprint week, but I, I just, I do want to put a comment in here Mm -hmm. about them covering the entire season. Logistically guys, that's a really big deal because you know, not every racetrack you go to has, has fiber video cable buried all around it. Like at a weed sport speedway. So You know, when when they come out and and make that commitment, that's a that's a really big deal Uh, just from the logistics side and trying to cover that. Uh, From the audio and video side, that -hmm. that was
1: really a big deal. I think it's going to be huge, Tom, for the fan engagement and for the potential sponsor engagement this year. For the companies that are backing these teams and these drivers, this is a kind of publicity the likes of which we have never had in this series and in this side of the
3: sport before. Oh, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, what's going to be interesting is to – see if they offer a season package or how that whole pricing structure works because hopefully it's not too expensive because that would cut down on the amount of the market that could actually afford to have it. But at least people could, I guess, pick and choose if they're going to offer, if they would offer both a season package and a race by race, at least people could pick and choose the races they want to watch if they couldn't afford the whole thing.
1: Yeah. And my understanding is that there will be the ability to, uh, to you know, single nights or a weekend. We don't know what the possibility of a season package is because dirt vision hasn't released all right. that, those details yet. We right now, We just know what the deal is for Sprint Week,
3: and the rest of it comes as it comes. But I'll tell you, Steve, I honestly, for the World of Outlaws, as you said, to make this commitment, this is a situation they've never been in before. I mean, yeah, you've had TV coverage, et cetera, but never the whole series, never anywhere where you can literally watch all of them if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm hoping that they make this— to where if I miss it live I can go back and watch it later. Right. Steve. And
1: they've always done that by the way. Uh when it comes to the Dirt Vi- our friend Tyler Dayton is hooked on the Dirt Vision Max <laughs> replays. Uh, that they, they've they have always done that to where if you miss it live uh, it's free on replay if well, you have a Dirt Vision account. Thing is though Steve now you got 90 of them to yeah. put up there
8: instead of Well, well, yeah, guys. And and here's the other thing to watch uh, in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, this is going to be a trend because for the first time in their existence up here in the northeast, the Short Track Super Series, every race is going to be live video this year. Oh, so. So this is going to be a trend that I think we're going to see on. On these major series, and 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 Dirt Vision with the World of Outlaws mm-hmm. is really leading the way. Who's well, doing video for the for the Deo series this year? I would have to. I am pretty sure that it is a deal. You know, what? I'm not going to say for sure because there's okay. there's two different companies I've got in my head, and I don't have it straight. So I, I'll I'll choose to bow out on that one. Okay. Just the yet. the interesting thing is that the
3: cost to do a live race if you're not going to do it to the elaborate scale that say NASCAR does the cost to do a live race certainly has come down a lot over the last couple, three years, Mm -hmm. but you know, depending on how many cameras and all of that that's involved, it's still quite an undertaking. So that's good. I'm glad we're seeing more of this. I mean, everything's migrating to the internet anyway, Jacob. So I'm glad we're seeing live stream options because now with your smart TV, you can probably get it right on your TV set. Absolutely. Or hook your laptop up to it.
1: So let's shift now for a couple minutes to the late model side of life, Steve-O, because as you mentioned at the top of our last segment, the story and the narrative for the kickoff to the Lucas Oil late model dirt series in Georgia for the Super Bowl of racing at Golden Isle Speedway was, dun-dun-dun, more of the same, i.e., defending champion Josh Richards sweeping the weekend. However, if you just look at the box score, you don't get the whole story. Night number one, Josh almost didn't win that race. He was lucky a caution came out on the last turn of the last lap to set up a green-white checker. Otherwise, this O'Neill kid, Hudson, who we've had on a couple of times before and is really, really, really a good little race car driver, Steve, Hudson O'Neill would have beaten him if it wasn't for that caution flag.
8: Yeah, that was uh, that was not good uh, for for Hudson on opening night, uh, and and what a charge uh, that young man put on the field! Uh, is, is he was charging from fifteenth place in the starting field? Mm-hmm. I mean, wow! And 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 think about that too. You know, he's chasing down Josh Richards and Jonathan Davenport. Yeah, those guys are they're pretty decent. Yeah, just you know. a little. <laughs> so it's it's awesome. And, and and this is this is why this series has just been electric uh, the last 18 months. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the, the competition level and, and, and now the young guys that are not just competing for rookie of the year, they're competing for wins and they're putting their name closer and closer to
1: that title fight. How big was it to see Jonathan Davenport running so strongly so fast with the Landers slash Martin team?
8: Well, I mean we kind of expected that, didn't we, Jacob? I mean, he he's coming back with the crew chief that I mean, they they darn near won everything two years ago. Yeah. I mean, they pocketed a ton of cash in, in these major events for the for the dirt late models. So for me, i I kind of expected this, yes, I know it's a new relationship and, and and all that stuff, but you know all the all the parts and pieces that they needed to do this are there, so for me i I almost expected it. Fair, fair. Now, night number
1: two, like I said, if you just looked at the box score, you don't get the whole story For Josh Richards to win his second straight feature here, Steve, this is what he had to overcome. He had to go to a backup car after he had a problem with the primary car during his heat race on Saturday night. Then the power steering crapped out on the backup car getting ready for the B main. They had to fix the issue, take a provisional, and he was within about 60 seconds of not even making the call for the main event. Had to start shotgun, 26th, and yet... Drives all the way through the field, holds off Tyler Erb, and
8: wins again. Are you kidding me? This was just flat out impressive. And, and, and Jacob, this is the Josh Richards that that we knew years ago uh, before he took time off and, and kind of stepped away from the sport due to injury. This is the, and this is scary for, for the rest of the field. This is very scary because Uh we are seeing him back in his old form. Uh, and what a feat you can't talk about the crew enough for even getting that car prepared and, and out ready to go. I know he credited his dad's team for chipping in and helping them, you know, it was a team effort to get those guys out there and, and you know, Think back a few years ago, Jacob, we were looking at the at Josh Richards and saying, man, are we ever going to see Josh back in a car? Are we ever going to see Josh back winning races and and putting on performances like he just did? He's
1: back.
8: He's back. You better believe it, man. You better believe it.
1: All right. Last thing before we let you loose for the night, Steve-O, we got five nights up coming. Make
8: your call. Who takes the Sprint Car Big Gator? I'm going to go with Brad Sweet. I think he'll get one win, and he'll be consistent as all get-out, and he will take the big gator. Tom? I'm just going to say it. Sheldon Haldenfield. Still not buying it. Okay.
1: I'm, I'm going to be that guy because he's already got three or four or maybe it's even five. I lost count of how many times he won in Australia with his team already to start this year. Donnie? Shots. End of discussion. There's that two-inch limb again. It took him a while, but we got him back there, Steve. <laughs> on the big gator front, it's been a little while since Shots has taken home the Five Nights of Volusia trophy. I think this is the year that they do it. That that team has been so scary consistent already this year. I just think it's going to happen. Always fun, Steve. We'll break it down next Monday. Uh, good to have you on. And let me ask you this: Have you
8: bought your Dirt Vision package for the week yet? I've got uh, I've got it pulled up on the screen here. I haven't purchased it, but I'm looking at it. Good man. Good man.
1: Our lightning round comes up next. We're back to conclude Motorsports Madness. Right after this, you're listening to PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
5: How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride. Go fish. Walk in the park. Phone call. Milkshake. Play catch. Picnic. Fly a kite. Tell jokes. Laugh. Talk. Read a story. Tell a story. Bumper car. Swing set. Bowling. Pillow fight. Cut loose. Stay tight. Whew. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Louis Meineke Car Care Center, rev up your career.
7: You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car.
1: Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network, our final segment of tonight's show. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza with you on a Monday night talking racing, and we are going to go into a little bit of rapid fire during our lightning round, however, you know, With Tom and Cisco, there usually ends up being explanations involved, even when I say go quick. So that's just how this goes. Anyway, our final segment going to start as follows. I'm going to go through each series. Tom and then Cisco offer your responses to this. Last year, we had several drivers who we would term surprises in each of NASCAR's national series. So we'll start with the truck series. Who do you expect to be this year's surprise that performs stronger than most people expect they will? Tom, you start. Stuart Friesen. Okay. Now, there is a key note to that, that the partnership with GMS Racing uh, and Halmar Friesen Racing is continuing for 2018. So... We're okay, Cisco. Jordan Anderson. Ooh, I like that answer. I like. I like that. the right.
4: partners behind the truck. I I'm hope just, he's right. He's got a lot of support where it counts.
1: Absolutely. Xfinity series. Who's the surprise? Kaz Graw. Is that because he was in here earlier, or would you have said that anyways? Well,
3: I, honestly, I'm not sure who I would have said, but after listening to Kaz, I just I feel like. He may be... Look, that team is strong, was strong to begin with. They've only gotten stronger. Kaz Krala. Cisco.
4: I'm tied between Brandon Jones and Ryan Truex.
8: Ooh.
3: Well, see, I... I guess I wouldn't consider Brandon even if he doesn't win some races, yeah. I would consider him to be a surprise because but, he's
1: in a Gibbs car well
3: that yeah, and exactly. because he's proven he can be competitive before now Truex ought to be because he's in in the college racing Grayson, yeah, I expect him to do at least as well as um blake cook Blake, blake cook did if not better, yeah, perhaps well, you know,
1: I know there's less options, but we'll still go up to the top rung.
3: Surprise for the Cup Series this year, if there is one. What's hard about this answer is that when you get to the Cup level, almost everybody. And and if I if I name a driver of a big name team, then it well, you ought to be the good. I'm just gonna say it, Alex Bowman, Cisco, Eric Jones.
1: Hmm. I'm going to I'm going to offer my opinion on this one. I know I didn't on the other two, but just some food for thought here. Michael McDowell. I like the situation he's coming into, and I really believe the extra support that Front Row Motorsports is getting from Roush Fenway Racing this year is going to be a bit of a difference maker. I think you will see Michael perform on a different level this year than he's been able to in the See, past. the
3: problem is, though, most of the races... Are run on one and a half mile tracks and they're not getting downforce support. It, it, it that doesn't cover the mile and a half. So
1: uh, it, the, it, the tier one the tier one engines on the mile and a half. Well, the engines
3: might, but they don't, yeah. they don't get as much support with the mile and a half. So I, I. But again, what would you consider a surprise in terms of for McDowell to be a surprise? What are you thinking he's would have to accomplish? I think. Uh,
1: At least from McDowell's standpoint, I think he sits consistently in the top, I'll say roughly 15. I think he's capable of doing that.
3: I mean, I think we saw glimpses of that with Levine, so I'm not really... um, I don't know that, that that would be a great deal unexpected, to be honest, but... You know, I definitely think that team, I, I said, I think they, they go down to Daytona with a good shot to win. Mm-hmm. I think legitimate shot, not dark horse shot, right. legitimate, legitimate shot to shot. win. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. So
1: this Sunday afternoon is the annual clash at Daytona. The non-point what at one time was an invitational event, but was originally built as an event to feature the poll winners from the previous season. If you were NASCAR czar for a day, and you could have the power to make a change to the Clash or blow it up and start it over again, what would you do to it and why?
3: I'd put it back exactly the way it used to be, and it would be no more than 20 to 25 laps. It would just be an all-out dash for cash, basically.
4: Cisco. If I was czar for a day. I don't know if I'd do anything in the Clash. I think I'd, I don't know, <laughs> add more road courses to the schedule. But, <laughs> no, I, I agree with Tom. I think shorten the race, make it make it a sprint race, make it exciting. And, yeah, yeah, just shorten it all up, make it a dash. So, basically, you are both in agreement that 75
1: laps is way too long. Oh, it's yeah. a,
3: way, 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 way too long. I, you, what I would honestly do with it is I'd make it, like, you know, 10,000 a lap to lead and, you know, a million dollars to win or some ridiculous thing. So they would have to be racing every lap. I go 20 or 25 laps. It's done. Okay. To put it
4: in perspective, we run 90 laps on broadcasted races at Daytona on LSR. And that's a whole
3: race. Yeah. with
4: We're only 15 off of that for this. and And
3: with all due respect to the pit crews, in my opinion, the pit crews have no business having anything to do with the outcome of the clash. You, fair. you keep it to a distance where they don't have to pit. It's a, fair. It's a sprint race.
1: Fair. Very fair. I, I think in the beginning it was 10 laps and 10 laps. And that's it. Yeah, I think that's, that sounds right. It's been so, so long I
3: can't remember but yeah it sounds Come right.
1: on now you were you were old enough to watch the, the clash when it was
3: first invented as well, a kid I understand it that like I was like 6 or seven, 7 and I'm 50 now It was like the 70s it's, right Yeah Yeah it's hard to remember back then you know we were cuz NASCAR just wasn't featured as much as but yeah I used to love the clash what used to be neat is you used to see drivers driving other people's cars in yeah. the clash you know, which I always thought was cool, like Richard Petty would get in Ty Scott's car or something. I mean, it was mm. you know because be- nobody wanted to tear up their Daytona five hundred. Well, that's
1: right. And you now everybody has purpose built cars for the Clash, right. or they use their five hundred backup car.
3: Right. I mean, that's the that's the thing for me. Is the Clash used to be a wild card race, more or less? And it was almost like a short track, yeah. the way it was set up, and it was only for the pole winners. Right. You didn't have all these other. well there's only 17 there's only
1: 17 drivers eligible this year
3: yeah well they've got the past winners now and whatever
1: that's fine yeah the past winners of the clash I've always been a believer should be in whatever so
3: but you know I, I didn't like it when they had like 25 it's like you might as well just run the whole field yeah
1: all right next next thing and Kaz kind of hit on this during his time with us in the first hour that he said the Hendrick Motorsports cars are the odds-on pick to win the Daytona 500 pole because they seem to win just about every super speedway pole. My lightning round question is thus, the only way to keep a Hendrick car from winning the pole for the Daytona 500 is blank. Am I first? Yes.
3: The only way to keep a Hendrick car from winning the pole is to go faster than they do. Okay, that was markedly less funny than what <laughs> well, I was I thinking. Mean, but. I, you know, you could try to lock them all in a closet, but I don't know. They're all pretty good athletes. Uh, Jimmy Johnson probably would run away from you um, <laughs> well, or hop on his bike. <laughs> I, the, the, I, the I'm, not, I'm not sure if you tied the other three up and locked them in a closet. They're all young. I don't know that they could get out. i I think, honestly, that... Th- this whole idea that the Chevys are just going to come out and blow everybody away on-, on qualifying day is a little bit premature. I know what we saw in the test in Vegas, but, you know, Daytona is a little bit of a different deal. I- I'm not so sure that that it's going to be exactly like that, but we'll see. There's I don't think go. Toyota is going to roll over.
4: I I agree with Tom. I don't think it- I think it's a little too early to call that. But for the comedic response uh, to stop Hendrick winning the pull at Daytona, you cut their fuel line. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Oof.
1: That is mean. admittedly amusing, though. Yeah. And just to be clear, as I look back at my book here, let us remind ourselves that the last three Daytona 500 polls have been won by Hendrick Motorsports and four of the last seven, oh, by the way. Yep. Just well, saying.
3: We'll see. New body. Different situation. I believe the new body is only going too. to make it better. I do, too. I just better. am not going to predict a Hendrick uh, runaway for the pole. I, you know, I I think, like I said, I think there are some Toyotas that would have an issue with that, and even the Fords, honestly, for qualifying. We'll see.
1: My favorite aspect of, of Daytona Speed Weeks is blank.
3: Oh, the duels. Easily the duels. I, I love the duels. I think that's uh, – I love those races. I, I'm glad they, they, th- that they've put the clash back to the daytime, mm-hmm. but I, I love the duels. That's my favorite part of the weekend, so other than the 500, of course.
4: I don't know. There's so many good aspects of the 500 just in ter- in, as an event in general. Uh you know what I'm I'm going to I'm going to go emotional but those that opening 5 minutes when you realize that you know you have a full NASCAR broadcast back on your TV and it's going to be like that for the next you know 30 odd weeks or so Fair And that's not going to change For me it's
1: the pageantry of oh, well, the yeah. entire two weeks. I, I mean, looking for a race answer. Well, no, not specifically. The, the, I said aspect, not necessarily okay. race. Okay. Uh, the, the pageantry and the tradition of Daytona Speed Weeks is my favorite aspect of it. I don't think there's one specific thing that you can pinpoint just because there are so many different things, as Cisco kind of alluded to, that makes it so special and I think the intensity, if I had to pick one specific thing out of all that, the in, how the intensity continues to build over the course of the entire two weeks is just something that you can't replicate anywhere else, Tom. It's just that, uh, well, <laughs> well no, at I'm, least I'm, in at least
3: <laughs> I think I disagree with that, but outside, I know I, what you're yeah, saying. outside
1: yeah. of motorsports, I don't think that's something you can easily replicate.
3: And honestly, let's throw in the truck race there, because as much <laughs> as I don't like, I, as much as I think they need to get the trucks off big tracks, I can't deny that that's. <laughs> I mean, I want to be glued to my, uh, you know. We all do. That. Well, like Kaz said, he wants to be glued to watch yeah. it this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was too busy winning it last Who year. Who will be the next Kaz?
1: Uh, that's the question we're all going to be asking ourselves about a week from Friday night when the truck race is going on. And that allows us to also say one more time, thanks to JGL Racing for loaning us Kaz Grala for an hour tonight. Yes. Uh, that was tremendous fun. And like uh, we said earlier, we hope to have that happen again in the near future. So as we get set to go away for another Monday night, uh, once again, thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, our social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, Bill Holt from the Carolina School of Broadcasting, behind the glass, and all the folks at PMN that make this show possible. For Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and Dr. Dirt Steve Ovens, I'm Jacob Sewell, reminding you to keep it off the wall. And if you're headed to a racetrack, folks, we might just see you there. Have a safe racing weekend, folks, Till we meet again.
0: You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co hosts, and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week with the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.